a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is a reading from Dark Legends, a little nursery rhyme book in the Star Wars universe, from The Orphanage, uh, reading on page 15. Eilish suddenly woke with a start. All was silent in the dormitory, save for the quiet murmur of sleeping children all around her. A gentle breeze brushed her cheek, and she stretched, rolling over on her side to peer at the window. The curtain billowed softly in the breeze, shimmering in the moonlight. She started. The window was open. Eilish sat up, sucking air into her lungs. She turned to Jifar, only to find that she was too late. The crooked, stooped figure of the phantom loomed over her friend's sleeping form. He was dressed entirely in black, with a strange metal disc attached to a panel on his back. His eyes were aglow with the brightest yellow, and seemed to weep tears of blood down his stark, pale cheeks. His head was hairless and gray, with strange red markings describing patterns on his pate. His body was tall and thin, his arms gangly and ending in long, slender fingers. And as he stooped lower to gather Gifar up into his grasp, stifling her protest with a hand held firmly across her mouth, he looked directly at Eilish, smiling wickedly to display his jagged, feral teeth. And then he was gone, moving so swiftly that Eilish could barely make sense of what she was seeing. He seemed to flit amongst those shadows, bounding over children's beds in effortless leaps, until he was standing just before the open window, one foot on the ledge. Eilish, who had been rooted to the spot, unable to move, to emit even a single sound, fought desperately against the strange voice, the strange force that bound her. Pushing back against it with her mind, with her feelings, and for a moment she thought it might give, that she might free herself to do something to help her friend. At this, the dark terror paused in the open window, and framed horribly by the moonlight, looked back at her, inclining his head appreciatively before stepping out into the frigid night beyond. the Star Wars skinny. This is where I give you the skinny right after I get skinny. Um, I've been recording a ton of podcasts today. This is actually going to be my third. Holy crap. Um, I mean, I went on my walk earlier in the week. My sister and I just played some Beat Saber for a future episode. I, I'm exhausted. All this, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, it's been a healthy day. I've been getting skinny, so let's just keep it going like 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to hammer out another hour of talking about Inquisitors. In this one, we're talking about THE Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, a.k.a. Quizzy. Uh, I've been calling him Quizzy in all my episodes. This is all a credit to Ali Presh uh, from TikTok and Rupelp's Podrace. Uh, great podcast. Um, yeah, I think it's hilarious because he's, he's menacing. I mean, I just read that that story of him um, at the intro of this episode. He's a spooky guy, but makes things less spooky to give him cute nicknames. So, yeah, this episode's all about him. Uh, we'll cover his whole story, which ranges from comics uh, to books to what you probably know him from, Rebels, um, the Star Wars animated uh, 
television show, and then we're going to see him in Obi-Wan. We're going to see him in live action. We've already seen him in the teaser trailer, a lot of comments on his appearance. That's been talked to death. I think he looks great. Um, it, I did notice that his his head wasn't the, the same shape that it was in Rebels. So. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's a problem. But yeah, we're going to talk about this uh, cool cat, the Grand Inquisitor, and kind of figure out what makes him tick. Uh, he he likes knowledge. That's kind of where we're going to start. Our story starts in the Jedi archives. This first story is from Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, the comic book from 2017, written by Charles Sewell. Uh, I've talked about this comic a lot on my Inquisitor-focused episodes. Um, this is really where we get to meet a lot of them. Uh, we've met some of them in Rebels, like the Grand Inquisitor, Fifth Brother, Seventh Sister. Um, but after that, like there's the Jedi Fallen Order video game, which came out, I think, around the same time as this comic, maybe a little bit after. But like, yeah, this is when we really got to like meet the Inquisitors in their prime at the beginning. Um, so that's that's the story. So we start off, like I said, in the Jedi Temple and the Jedi Archives. There's a cloaked figure walking around the former Jedi Temple, looks at a museum exhibit of a Jedi Temple guard and says, I remember lies. Vader is summoned to the Jedi Temple, like Palpatine says, there's an intruder, deal with them. The, this cloaked figure, he, he wants to see the Jedi Archives. No one will deny me now. No one is left. Vader and the recently unmasked figure, the Grand Inquisitor, fight in the Jedi Temple. So this was the Grand Inquisitor that was looking at the Jedi Temple uh, guard outfit. Um, Quizzy says, this knowledge was promised to me. Like, like, why are you fighting me, Vader? Like, what's what's your deal? Vader wins. Palpatine swoops in and stops him. He introduces them. Like, Vader, this is the Grand Inquisitor. And, the, and then tells him, like, what the Inquisitorius is. Because he's, he's mad. He thought that Palpatine had given him free reign to explore the archives so that he could turn Jedi to the dark side easier. I guess that's what he told Palpatine. But really, it seems like this guy wanted knowledge and the Jedi lore and the Sith lore all of his life, and he was just never allowed it. Palpatine tells him, You are first among the Inquisitors, but the Inquisitorius belong to the Sith. And gives Vader the scoop, uh, or the skinny, if you will, on what are the Inquisitors. I've already made this joke, but I'm going to do it again. Master, I've been wondering, what are Inquisitors? It's just too good of a joke. When Palpatine is given Vader the lowdown, he says that Quizzy was a Jedi once, resentful that someone with his skill was not allowed access to the higher councils, the great secrets of the Order. A crack in his armor, easy to exploit. In truth, he is better suited to this role. I believe he is ungrateful. So it seems like before Order 66, Palpatine identified the Grand Inquisitor, or whatever his name was, as a Jedi, as, hey, here's this guy that he wants all this access, he's not getting it, I can manipulate him and give him the secrets that he desires, because, I mean, Palpatine, he's a Sith Lord, he has these secrets. So I'm sure he was whispering these things in his ear, getting them into his pocket, long before Revenge of the Sith, Order 66, all of that. So this will be revealed later on in his story, like chronology-wise, but he was a Jedi Temple guard. That's why he was looking at that outfit in particular. I think it's been 
retcon to say that he was the Jedi Temple Guard that we see in the Clone Wars arresting a certain Jedi in Season 5. So it's unclear to me if him, if he in particular was denied access to the Jedi Temple or if the Jedi treated the Jedi Temple Guards as like a lower status than the other Jedi. I know in Legends there was this situation where if you didn't get selected as a Padawan you would go join like the Agricultural Corps or like some other area where you can help people and you weren't, you didn't really get to elevate as fast as someone who was a Padawan. So I'm wondering like in canon and current continuity did the Jedi just, like, assign people that they didn't think were ready for, like, advancement in the Jedi Order to say, like, hey, just, you can be a security guard. I don't know. We haven't really gotten a story all about Temple Guards. The closest thing we've gotten is the Grand Inquisitor, and we don't get that much of it, but it opens up a lot of questions. Um, so, Quizzy is an ex-Jedi, and he hung around the Jedi Temple a lot. He was probably pretty well aware of, like, the comings and goings of the Jedi Council members, um, and he knows that Obi-Wan Kenobi was on the Council, so it's it's big that we're seeing him in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. He probably knows a lot about him, uh, and he knows that that's a name of, like, that's someone who has kept me down my whole life. That's someone that is at the top. A little later on, we see Vader training the Inquisitors, and it's a very brutal training. He's, uh, like, chopping off arms, poking out eyes, uh, crazy stuff, but the, the Inquisitor asks him, like, hey, like, what could that have possibly taught the guy that you chopped off his arm? And Vader says, loss. Then it flashes to all of the the busted up Inquisitors, like the eyes, and they're all getting like cybernetic enhancements. Quizzy says, that is hardly fair. The Inquisitors are formidable fighters. They're former Jedi. Vader says, and they fight like it. They only attack when there is no other choice. The Jedi taught that a battle can be won, even if both parties survive. This error has infected the Inquisitor's tactics. All of them. So the... Vader thinks the Inquisitors are acting too much like Jedi. And we do get some stories with other Inquisitors, not the Grand Inquisitor, but that really kind of display that there's this camaraderie between them, and they kind of go back and try to rescue each other. Like, Vader's like, no, we gotta nip, nip that in the bud. Like, you guys are acolytes of the dark side here. You guys are not going to be compassionate for each other. You're gonna you're gonna kill each other if you have to. You got you're gonna get your Jedi and that's your focus. Like you serve the dark side. Quizzy then asks Vader, like, you find us pathetic. You think that you think that you could do the job better yourself? Uh, that may be true. You are mighty indeed, but that's what it, the Emperor wanted. Wouldn't you be doing it? The Emperor has given us to you. You own us, flaws and all. If we succeed, it's to your credit, and if we fail, you'll own that as well. Maybe he doesn't know Vader's history, like. Maybe he thinks that as a Jedi, he can lead the Inquisitors better. As an ex-Jedi, he can lead them better than Vader. But he doesn't know that Vader was also a Jedi. I don't know what it is, but he, he's still complying with what Vader says. But it's like a weird relationship that I, I can't quite pin down. Vader gives him a hit list. Uh, we talked about this on the just Inquisitors episode, but it included names like Jocasta Nu, uh, Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi... You know, the big names, but the big one that we want to focus on is Jocasta Nu. That's somebody that the Grand Inquisitor hates with a passion. She would deny him access to all the knowledge that he wanted. The Inquisitor says, I always hated Jocasta Nu. She looked down on me, like I could tell. She never gave me full access to the archive. She always hovered when she did let me read a data file or two. She sorted us into categories in her head. Those few who are worthy to learn the deep mysteries of the Force and then the rest of us. 
as far as Jocasta was concerned, education was for the elite and nothing for the warriors who put their lives on the line for the order. I can't wait to kill her. I'm going to read every blasted thing in this place. So he's just a little bookworm. Uh, he wants to read some books. So he's already a relatable character as, you know, this is a comic book that this is in. So like everyone reading comic books, like these are people that like to read. Um, I guess maybe they like the pictures. It's possible too. But like most people that are reading a book of any kind, a comic book or a novel or whatever it is, like these are people that would identify with someone that just wants knowledge, that's someone that just wants to read. So it, it was a good move for the, the creators to, to go in this direction with him. So Vader says, okay, Quizzy, you can just read in the archives, find some hints on where the Jedi are hiding, and secretly, Quizzy's like, yes, get to read the books, man. So Quizzy's off reading. Jocasta knew, on, on the other hand, like, she's not going to get hunted down. She is coming to the temple. She's on a mission. Um, she sees Quizzy reading, gets annoyed, but ignores him. She's like, yeah, that guy's disrespecting the books a little bit, but I have a mission. I got to... I gotta find whatever I'm looking for. I forget. I think it's another list of four sensitive children, like it always is. But uh, uh, she's breaking into the secret basement of the archives, uh, and the Empire hasn't found this yet. Like, she gets in there, and it's untouched. Her droid is still in there, and her droid talks to her. Um, yep, she's in there to take that database with every four sensitive child in the galaxy. On her way out, she sees Quizzy making a mess. He's, like, tossing books over his shoulder, and she kind of looks at him, and she's like, Ah, but my mission, my mission. Uh, and I, I think she makes the wrong call here because she shouts out, Get your filthy hands off my books! Who are you and how dare you defile this sacred place? Why, Jocasta, don't you recognize me? After every time you denied my requests, the satisfaction you took in preventing me from learning the deep secrets of our order? You don't even know who I am? You are a traitor. You have even less right to the knowledge than I had imagined. From my point of view, you're the traitor. He doesn't say that. But. Why would you betray your brothers and sisters in the Force? What brothers and sisters? Like That's what Quizzy says. The Jedi took me when I was small and never showed me anything but the light side of the Force. I never felt at ease here. Nothing felt right. I always felt that something was being denied to me. Now, at last, that void has been filled with the purity of the dark side. The secrets here are deep complex and strange. They're not for everyone. If I denied your request for access, it is because I did not believe you were ready. I denied many such requests. It was my duty. It remains my duty. It's so gatekeepy. Um, but it, it doesn't seem personal. Like She doesn't have like a personal grudge against him specifically. She only kind of came in here because he was throwing books over the shoulder. Like She treats the Jedi knowledge with such high regard that if she kind of has a read on somebody and says, yeah, I, they're not ready for this, she's going to stop them. And it, she doesn't have, like, a personal grudge against the Grand Inquisitor. Um, that can't be said for the Grand Inquisitor. He definitely has a personal grudge. He tells her that even as a Jedi, he dreamed of killing her. Uh, he, he then goes for the killing blow. They have, like, a, a short little duel. Uh, but then Vader swoops in and saves her life. Um, Palpatine wants her alive. But he and Quizzy then argue. They don't trust each other. I do not require your trust, Quizzy, only your obedience. Jocasta drops some books on their heads and runs away, um, obviously flattening Quizzy's head just in time for the Obi-Wan show. So it was a skinny head, it's now a round head. By the time we get back to Rebels, it will have, you know, reached its usual form and it will be back to being skinny. 
If you need that head cannon, head head cannon, uh, feel free to take it. Speaking of cannons, uh, we're about to see a really cool like cannon with K C A N N O N double N. Jocasta deletes everything in the Jedi archives. Big like, F's in the chat for Quizzy. He only just started reading. Like imagine all that knowledge that he could have had. So he, he's probably pissed. Uh, Vader enters her secret crypt. That sounds dirty. Her droid scans him, and then she that's how she learns that Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Skywalker, oh my. This is very, very bad. And then she shoots Vader with a lightsaber cannon. She puts her lightsaber into it, and it shoots like a giant like energy beam. And it fries her lightsaber, I think, so she has to grab some other one, but like... We kind of see this in the High Republic with their ships, like their starfighters. They're like they plug their lightsabers into it, and they're able to fire that way. So like only a Jedi can fire. You can only fire if you're, you know, a, a Jedi with a lightsaber. But yeah, this is completely different. This must be either High Republic technology or just yeah. I haven't seen it in High Republic yet, but maybe it's there. Charles Sewell, the writer of this comic, is like one of the big founders of the High Republic. Vader and Jocasta have an awesome battle. Eventually, she's surrounded by clones, and then this is at, like, the top of the Jedi Temple, and she decides to, like, step off and just die. Like, she's like, yep, I'm gonna jump off, keep her secrets away from the Sith. But then Vader catches her, which is something that we would have cheered for, like, in the Clone Wars if Anakin, like, caught somebody or Ahsoka caught somebody. But yeah, like, he caught her and pulls her back. Jocasta then asks Vader, like, why Palpatine would want her list of Force-sensitive children. And then Vader is like, oh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a great question. To replace me. And then he kills her. And then he destroys the list and lies to Palpatine, saying that, yeah, she she destroyed it. She died before. She died rather than give it to us. Um, so Vader's already, like, this is not very far into, like, Vader in the suit time. And he's already, like, nervous that Palpatine's going to replace him. I'm sure he's feeling very insecure like, oh, I was, like, his chosen apprentice, and now look at me. I'm I'm more machine than man. I'm not what Palpatine wanted. Maybe he's going to replace me with the Inquisitors. Maybe he's going to replace me uh, with someone else. Like, he's he's worried. He's got uh, imposter syndrome. Even, even the great Lord Vader has imposter syndrome. So if that's something you suffer from, like, hang in there. If you fall, Vader will catch you. <laughs> then after all of this we do flash forward to luke luke skywalker um this is not related to the inquisitor story not not really but um it was interesting so jocasta did save some of this in like a she was kind of building a school often often like a rainforest planet and we see like in the last panel like that those secrets do make it back to the jedi like luke finds them and uh then uses them to uh create his new jedi school i'm sure so there is a another comic later in the series where they're after Force-sensitive children. If you heard my Fortress Inquisitorious episode, you heard about the uh, tracking down Eeth Koth. Uh, so Vader was hunting Eeth Koth. He winds up with a baby after that mission. He brings that baby back. Quizzy congratulates Vader. You brought a new child. The Seekers themselves could have done no better. And then Quizzy gives the kid to like these creepy red ladies with weird masks. So there's like there's weird stuff going on with the Inquisitors, with the Sith. Um, they like their babies. Quizzy tells Vader that they have no more leads on remaining Jedi. Like, Eeth Koth must have been the last one. And 
maybe they don't have anything on Obi-Wan at this point. Uh, so he asked Vader, like, hey, can I transition my, my resources to working on Project Harvester? Like, I've been really dying to work on Project Harvester. Um, Project Harvester is, is kidnapping more babies. So as you heard in the opener for this episode, uh, Quizzy uh, is really entrenched in this Project Harvester thing. It's something that Palpatine's been working on for a long time, kidnapping Force-sensitive children to be think spies for the Sith. Uh, we don't know if they're like future Inquisitors, what they are. I don't think we've seen that like to the to the end yet. We haven't seen like a one of these kids grow up. But the Grand Inquisitor is a big part of this plan. Like he's the one climbing into windows and snatching force sensitive kids at night. So uh, this is when he goes and uh, starts working on that kind of stuff. And this is where we get to our orphanage story. So uh, like I said at the beginning, this comes from Dark Legends. It's like an in-universe, or like, yeah, you can call it an in-universe, like spooky stories, kind of nursery rhyme theme. Like it's aimed for kids, but it's also like kind of scary. Like, I mean, I read it and I was like, yeah, I could, if I, yeah, I was scared. You know, I'll admit it. I felt fear reading that story about the Inquisitor uh, snatching kids. It's It's scary. Uh, the, the story, it's written by George Mann. Uh, this is at an old orphanage for children on the planet Gaten, G-A-A-T-E-N, uh, for children whose parents died in the Clone Wars. So children, stole, they told stories of a dark terror who came in the night and stole children. Uh, there was this tall, thin man with sharp teeth and glowing eyes. The staff thought that these stories were just an embodiment of the kids' fear and pain, like, from, like, their parents died. They're, they were orphaned. All kids who came to reside in the orphanage, they lived in fear because they heard these stories and maybe they experienced things. Um, all except for this girl, Eilish. Eilish and two others, they were, um, she could tell that they were in touch with the universe, two other kids. And this first friend disappeared, left all of his belongings. Eilish watched the second friend, because one was, one disappeared, and watched the second one, like, as she slept to make sure that if, like, she's heard the stories. Like, if, if someone's coming to take her, I'm going to watch her and make sure no one does. Um, but she, all that happened was she watched as her friend was taken. So that's what I read at the beginning. Um, so then Eilish, she then calls a Jedi by going to, like, this temple, I think she described it as. And, like, Grogoing. And she just Grogu's and calls out to the Force, like Grogu did on the Seeing Stone in Mandalorian Season 2 on the planet Tython, uh, when he ultimately called, spoilers alert, um, Luke Skywalker. Uh, then the Jedi shows up, and so that, now the Jedi is in the other room, because the, the, and the, the, the caregivers at the orphanage, they kind of agreed to this, because Eilish has always been like the one that, you know, uh, was, you know, she's, she's, she's probably older than the rest, uh, and She's generally trustworthy and doesn't just cower in fear all the time. Like, her getting spooked, that was a, a big shock for that group. So when Quizzy comes to take her, like, she's the last of the three Force-sensitive kids that lived at that orphanage, uh, the Jedi's there, and the Jedi duels him. Um, the Jedi almost loses, though. Like, she loses her lightsaber, and Eilish has to, like, help dislodge it from under a bed, and then the Jedi's able to get the lightsaber knock the Grand Inquisitor against the wall. I think she's even able to, like, slash him, and, like, you think sh you think he's dead, but, like, because this is, like, a horror story, they, like, peel behind the curtain, and he's gone. He's not even there, so... Um, they, they scared him away, but, like, who's to say he doesn't show back up the next day? Like, um, yeah, it was a scary story. Uh, 
interesting. Like, I haven't read the rest of these Dark Legends. I just knew that the Grand Inquisitor was in one, so I, I decided to read it for this episode. But I'm I'm definitely interested in reading more. So, George Mann, he's kind of got the monopoly on this in the Star Wars universe, like putting together these little short stories uh, that are meant to be kind of like nursery rhymes. I think there's one for the High Republic. Um, what else is there? There's one called Myths and Fables. That was the first one, I believe. Um, and that one's just more in-universe myths. I think there's one about a crate dragon, which would be interesting, given that we saw that in Mandalorian Season 2 as well. But yeah, that's Dark Legends. That's kind of the embodiment of Project Harvester. That's the Grand Inquisitor going out there himself and snatching babies. So, uh, bad, bad dude, if you already couldn't tell by the way that he was designed we next see Quizzy in the Ahsoka novel, uh, written by E.K. Johnston. Um, there was a whole fight with Ahsoka and an Inquisitor that I won't spoil yet. Uh, that will be in our Brothers of the Inquisitorious episode, which I hope to have my brother Buddy, the first brother, on the episode for that. Uh, so stay tuned. Um, yeah, so after this whole battle with the, the uh, other Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor shows up, and he comes to the planet that it happened on to see it for himself. Uh, he learns that the Jedi trained farmers to fight, executed some jailbreaks, and then called in some ships to help her. He's like, what is going on here? Uh, Quizzy is like, okay, I would like to be assigned to track her down. Uh, but it sounds like he wanted that, but then it was going to go to someone else. So uh, if you've seen Rebels, I think that means that like the seventh sister was then assigned by it. Is he not the one who gives out assignments? That's interesting as well. So maybe... At the beginning, he was the Grand Inquisitor. He was above all else, but maybe, like, as time went on and there became less Jedi to hunt, maybe Vader's just like, yeah, you're all my... You are all at my command. Like, I'll command the Grand Inquisitor, I'll command Seventh Sister. It might have turned out to be something like that, where the title of Grand Inquisitor was kind of symbolic. Through this experience, Quizzy came to learn to see, like, what a Jedi was capable of when pushed to this extreme. Like, how far would she go? Uh, he returned to his ship... All his agents were afraid of him, and he liked it. Uh, his kind was new to the galaxy, a fresh weapon for the dark side to wield. Inform Lord Vader that we have found evidence of another survivor. So I think the Grand Inquisitor is responsible for telling Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, that Ahsoka is still out there. Um, I guess I'd, at this point, the Grand Inquisitor probably doesn't know the name of the Jedi that all this happened with, but maybe that's how Vader starts down the trail of, of finding her. So where is the Grand Inquisitor going to go after this? I think in my in my notes, the next thing up for him is Rebels. Uh, but it seems strange that, like, I don't know, it seems like he's on the trail of Ahsoka, and then all of a sudden we see him on the trail of our characters in Rebels, Kanan and Ezra. So wondering if there's a story in between the Ahsoka book and Rebels that is yet to be told. Maybe there is. I would love to see it. Maybe in the Ahsoka show. Possible. But yeah, the Inquisitor, he's kind of learning what it takes to hunt Jedi. It's not, I, I guess that he uh, he knows what it's like. Um, oh, who am I kidding? He's in Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is about where the Obi-Wan show would take place. If this Ahsoka book kind of took place a couple years after Order 66, we've got like five years until Kenobi. So the next thing that we'll see the Grand Inquisitor in is Obi-Wan Kenobi. So he's learned like what a Jedi will do when pushed to their extreme. So he knows what to look for when he's hunting Obi-Wan. He knows to look for compassion, because like Ahsoka, she like trained farmers to fight. She executed some jailbreaks. 
Like, Ahsoka is doing good things, and he's looking for that now. When he's looking for Jedi, maybe he thinks he's looking for the same Jedi that was on this planet, like Ahsoka. But maybe he's able to track this kind of stuff to Tatooine. Alright, so this is now the meat of the story. Uh, after whatever events take place in Obi-Wan Kenobi, his next canonical appearance is in Star Wars Rebels. If you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, I would recommend uh, watching that first, so... You've, you've already gotten everything you need to know about the Grand Inquisitor up to Obi-Wan Kenobi, so feel free to turn it off here uh, if you do, either don't care about spoilers or you've already seen Rebels. Um, we can keep going. but So he is the main antagonist of the first season of Rebels. Uh, it, the first episode starts off with Vader contacting this mysterious character called the Inquisitor aboard a Star Destroyer. Um, so Quizzy has a Star Destroyer. Um, Vader says, the Jedi Knights are all but destroyed, but your task is not complete. The Emperor has foreseen a new threat rising against him, the children of the Force. They must not become Jedi. Hunt down this enemy, and if they will not serve the Empire, eliminate them, along with any surviving Jedi who will train them. Then we kind of meet our main characters, the, the heroes of Star Wars Rebels, uh, Phoenix Squadron. It's a small rebel cell including a Twi'lek ace pilot, an ex-Jedi Padawan, a Mandalorian, a hulking Lasat, a Force-sensitive uh, force thief, and a psychopathic murder droid called Chopper. Uh, they fall into a trap that the Grand Inquisitor lays. Uh, he had let it leak that the Inquisitorius was holding Jedi Mask... Jedi Master Luminara Unduli, prisoner at a prison called the Spire on Stygian Prime. He somehow uses the Force to animate her body to appear alive when she's been long dead. I'm guessing she was one of the first casualties of uh, the the Jedi Purge from the Inquisitors, if they if they have her body. But it's really creepy. Like the the heroes of of the story, like in the first season of this kids show, they think that. Luminara is alive, and then they see like her walking around, but it's not her. It's 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 weird stuff. She is long dead, but her bones continue to serve the Empire, luring the last Jedi to their ends. And he traps the Jedi characters, the Force sensitive characters, Kanan and Ezra, and we get our first showdown between uh, the Rebels crew and the Grand Inquisitor. Quizzy recognizes Kanan's form and taunts him. It seems like you've trained with Master Depa Balaba. Quizzy, like, he's toying with Kanan this whole time. He's got one hand behind his back. The temple records were quite complete. Uh, so he studied all the Jedi fighting techniques. Like, like why study a dead one, though, I guess? Why, because Depa Balaba, we know, dies in Order 66. We see that in another animated show. Um, but I guess maybe he, yeah, he would study even all the dead ones because he knows that Depa Balaba's Padawan, Kanan, escaped. So he's like, okay, well, now I can... If I know this fighting technique, I'm able to fight him. Clearly, you were a poor student, he says to Kanan. Quizzy, uh, he dismisses him. Yeah. And then to Ezra, he starts talking to him like, Are you paying attention, kid? Like, the Jedi are dead, but there's another path. The dark side. I'm saying this in, like, such a normal voice. He has a very menacing voice, and it's, like, a very proper, like, kind of like Thrawn-like, very, very good voice that I have tried to do, and I'm not going to put you through that. This would be like a two-hour episode if I tried it, because I would really draw out my words and wouldn't be good. But Ezra says, never heard of it, and fights back. Ezra's got the great, the greatest little, like, 
childish comebacks. Uh, he even does them to like Darth Vader. It's it's a fun time. Um, so when Quizzy's denied, he goes in for the kill. Like he's like, all right, well I tried to turn this kid to the the dark side. Like he can say that to Vader. Like yeah, I met the the kid, the child of the Force. Um, yeah, he didn't want to turn, so I'm gonna kill him. Uh, Kanan kind of saves the day. He uses the Force to pin Quizzy to the ceiling. So think like Kylo Ren and the Rise of Skywalker when he like pins that Imperial officer to the ceiling, uh, and then they run. Uh, Quizzy, he's following slowly like a horror movie villain. This scene, uh, like we see it in the animation in the TV show Rebels, Rebels also got a manga adaptation. So in volume two, we get a little bit more dialogue and some really creepy art of, of Quizzy. He says a little bit more to Ezra. Are you his Padawan? The Jedi are gone. There's no future with them. You can join our side, the dark side. The dark side is pure power. If you truly desire peace and order in the galaxy, you'll join us. But Ezra says, sorry. But I've already decided who my master is going to be, so be it. So we get a lot clearer, like what's kind of obvious from the animation if you're if you're watching it. But I guess in a, a manga adaptation, there are more limitations. I mean, you can still kind of do crazy stuff and show like I don't. I'm not a manga expert, but like I think they do generally write more dialogue just to explain what's happening on the page. The next time we see the Grand Inquisitor, uh, Ezra's going undercover at an Imperial Academy to steal something. Uh, but the Empire identifies Ezra as, like, a highly gifted student, along with some other kids. Uh, so they summon the Grand Inquisitor to run more tests and take them into custody. So what I think happens is the all the academies across the galaxy, they, like, bring in kids to train as stormtroopers, and they're like, okay, if this one's Force-sensitive, we got to tell the Grand Inquisitor about this because they're collecting Force-sensitive kids. So Ezra escapes. Um, there's a kid that does get taken by the Grand Inquisitor, but... Uh, he has to leave another friend, Zer Leonis, behind. So Zer Leonis, he he gets to stay at the same academy. He's uh, not force sensitive, as far as we're aware. Um, but then once Ezra escapes, the Grand Inquisitor is like, "Okay, Zer Leonis, you were friends with this kid. Tell me all about him." So the Grand Inquisitor kind of takes this kid under his wing, and we actually get some kids' books. Like in the middle of the Rebel series, we just get here's an offshoot with the Zer Leonis character. Here's like a series of four books. Um, and the Inquisitor's kind of like the the bad guy behind it all, but it is, the books themselves are kind of like a Harry Potter, Hogwarts style thing, where it's just a bunch of kids at a, at a magic school. It's not magic, it's the Imperial Academy, but like a bunch of kids at the school, and there's this weird headmaster guy that only shows up sometimes, and he's evil, and he talks to, Dumbledore's not evil, you, you know what I'm trying to say though, like it's, a, it's a kid's thing, and it, it feels like a play on Harry Potter. So in this book series, Zero Leonis, he's the main character, he hates Quizzy because Quizzy once ordered his sister away from the academy for unknown reasons. She must have been force sensitive. Uh, Quizzy asks Ezra, or asks Zare about Ezra, and Zare could feel Quizzy in his head, sifting through his thoughts. Uh, Quizzy asks Zare about his sister, and Zare gets sloppy and reveals that uh, they were able to sense each other. That's how he knows she's still alive. Um, it seems like he wasn't sloppy, though. I think this was, like, something like he was lying to try to get Quizzy to think that he was Force-sensitive so that he could get closer to finding her. It's a whole thing. That was book two. Uh, book one is kind of just, like, a novelization of the the episode with Ezra in it and all that. Uh, Zara has a nightmare of Quizzy testing his Force skills and calling him a liar. That's, that's why I think that. Um, well, he can't lift a cup with the Force. An Imperial Supervisor does the Mace Windu ship cup speeder test with him uh, that he gives to uh, little Annie in The Phantom Menace. 
um, kind of to test his force sensitivity. And uh, I guess he does well. Later, Zare, he gets in trouble. He's called into the headmaster's office. Quizzy's there. Apparently, there's another cadet that was detained. Uh, he had associations, like uncles, that were criminals of the Empire. Probably rebels or, crim or like crime lords. I don't know. So the headmaster says, To serve the Empire, one must purge oneself of all such weaknesses. And Zare says, Including compassion? Like, like should I not... Like, should he have not have loved his uncles? Like, what, what's what's wrong here? And then Quizzy gets super triggered. He This guy hates compassion. If you couldn't tell by the Obi-Wan trailer, uh, he stares him down. His mouth twitches. Compassion is the most insidious weakness of all. And then he kicks Zare out of the academy. Uh, he actually just puts him in that higher academy, the the uh, Arcanist Academy that uh, Zare's sister was in. Uh, your service to the Imperial cause will be more important than you have ever hoped. So I don't know why this event made Quizzy kind of put him into the, the Force Academy. He's like, oh, compassion? That's the last That's the last straw you're getting put in there. Like, does he think that compassion can only be found in Jedi? I can see that, like, if you're hunting Jedi, a good way to find them is compassion. But, like, does he really think that if he sees a compassionate person, that's evidence that they're a Jedi? Is Quizzy going around just killing compassionate people? I wouldn't put it past the Empire. Like, they want to make make a society that's reliant on them, reliant on the Empire. And if there's someone helping other people, like that's, they see that as a threat to them. That's that's really interesting. Uh, so that's book three. There is a fourth book, and we'll get to that in a second. But there are a couple Rebel episodes that take place first chronologically, and got to do things by the books here at uh, the Star Wars Skinny. Uh, number eight, Empire Day. I love it. Uh, the Rebels bomb an Empire Day parade. Uh, so I guess think like a, in America, a 4th of July Independence Day parade. Like it's the day that the Empire was established, which also happens to be uh, Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa's birthday. Because I guess they, or maybe a couple days after they were born. I don't know. It is definitely Ezra Bridger's birthday, though. We know that. Uh, so they bomb this parade and then flee into space with a Greedo Lobot. Speech, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, Quizzy then hops in a TIE fighter and chases after them. This is the first look at the Grand Inquisitor in his, like, Inquisitor helmet, because all the Inquisitors have cool helmets that we can tell. Uh, we haven't seen the helmet for the third sister, the, uh, the, the new character Reva, that's going to be in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I have not seen any picture of her helmet, which is something else that kind of differenti differentiates herself from the other Inquisitors. She doesn't have the yellow eyes. Um, she doesn't have like a traditional helmet. Um, I'm really interested to see what her deal is. Like, is she on the Inquisitor side, like, uh, voluntarily? Uh, that's something I discuss with my sister on our Sisters of the Inquisitorious episode that I think I'll put out a couple days after this one. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Quizzy, he's a great pilot. Like, he, he was once a Jedi. He's able to hit the Rebel ship a couple times. Um, he also plants a tracking beacon on them, like, mid-flight. So he's a, he's a good pilot. Uh, the Rebels, they find the tracker, and they, like, it's on their escape pod, or they have, like, a smaller ship within the big ship. In the Rebel show, there's the Ghost, that's the big ship, and then there's the Phantom, which is, like, the little escape pod thing. Uh, so the Force-sensitive guys, Kanan and Ezra, they get in this escape pod and lead Quizzy away from the rest of the Rebels. Um, they eject in hyperspace, which is really cool, like, the ghost is in hyperspace, and then this other ship just shoots out. Feels like in the Marvel movies in Thor Ragnarok, when uh, Loki and Thor kind of like are getting uh, what do you what do you call it? 
when Heimdall sends like the whole hyperspace thing, oh my gosh, Buddy's gonna kill me. Uh, Obi Wan's gonna kill me. Uh, buddy, you know what I'm talking about the the the, the space thing. Uh, they, they when they fall out of it and get like shot across time and space. Quizzy tracks them to where they went. They went to like an abandoned Clone Wars era base in the middle of an asteroid field. The Jedi use the Force to command predatory creatures to attack Quizzy when he gets there. They have another duel. Uh, Quizzy defeats Kanan. Your meager training is nothing in the face of true power. And then Ezra stands over Kanan and tries to defend him. <laughs> and Quizzy thinks it's cute. Your devotion to your master is admirable, but it will not save you. Nothing can. Good, go on. Unleash your anger. The darkness is too strong for you, orphan. It is swallowing you up even now. Your master will die. Your friends will die. Everything you've hoped for will be lost. And then Ezra, like, gives in to the dark side. And Quizzy, like, gets scared a little bit. These rocks lift up from the ground. Um, a giant creature attacks. This buys time for Kanan to wake up and escape with Ezra, but, like... Yeah, Ezra just tapped into the dark side, so he kind of listened to what the Grand Inquisitor was saying. So that's something that you can kind of track through all of Rebels. Uh, I guess spoilers for Rebels, the Grand Inquisitor doesn't make it through all of Rebels, but like that that dark side connection with Ezra does, and it's something that he battles with. Um, so the Jedi escape, Quizzy ends up defeating the Beast because it stops listening to Ezra's commands eventually. Um, Kanan flies him out uh, and explodes Quizzy's shuttle, uh, and then Quizzy says, uh, My master will not be pleased. This episode also got somewhat of a novelization. Uh, we get a sense, like, before Quizzy even goes into the battle with the Jedi, we see how he sees the Force. He sees it like a fire. Uh, this is something really big in the High Republic, is we, we focus on all the Jedi. How do they see the Force? Like, Avar Chris sees it like a song, or she hears it like a song. Uh, Elzar Man sees it like waves in an ocean. Um, the Grand Inquisitor sees it like a fire. In Kanan, the Force burned bright like a torch. But in Ezra, it was a, a small flame. It was growing in intensity like a candle that had just been lit. So he's like, I have to snuff this out soon or, or else he's going to grow into something more powerful. And also, uh, the Grand Inquisitor learns Kanan's name in this duel. Um, so that's something he's able to use. Uh, when dueling Ezra, or the boy, he doesn't know his name, uh, Quizzy wonders why Kanan spent so much time teaching him to commune with nature rather than fighting with the Force. He's like... <laughs> This is not even a good Jedi Master. What's going on here? Uh, Kanan, we, we, we know, is a Jedi Padawan that survived Order 66. So he, he was never really trained to be a Master, but he's also, like, one of those guys like Qui-Gon where he's like, yeah, get in touch with the Force, get in touch with nature. nature. Like, we don't need to... I mean, I think Qui-Gon focused a little bit more on fighting with Obi-Wan because, like, like they, were, they grew up in the Republic and they're like, yeah, you need to know the basic lightsaber techniques, but... Kanan's a lot more focused on, like, yeah, let's get the basics down first. Let's get, like, being in touch with the Force, understanding the Force. Let's get that first. But uh, Quizzy does not agree with that. Quizzy now knows the name of Kanan, uh, and we have the Kanan comic going on at the same time, uh, which does not really involve the Grand Inquisitor that much. Uh, the villain of the, the series is Vice Admiral Ray Sloan, who's a really interesting character that I hope we get to see in live action someday. Uh, she's been in, like, the Aftermath books, the books that came out right when Disney bought Star Wars. She was also in Star Wars Squadrons, uh, She like, the video game, the VR uh, PlayStation game, or at least I played it on PlayStation. Um, and then also Kanan, in the Kanan and Hera book, A New Dawn. So she's kind of a, a Kanan villain, uh, and basically in this comic book, I, I didn't read the whole thing, I kind of just read the 
the uh, issue that Quizzy shows up in, but it seems like she had been kind of detailing her her uh, looking for Kanan and all this, like in the Empire's files, but she never really said that the guy was a Jedi. Uh, now that Quiz Quizzy knows that his Jedi's name is Kanan, he finds this file and he's like, Kanan, someone's been searching for Kanan all this time, and he like interrupts Ray Sloan's mission and says, okay, give me the skinny on Kanan Jarrus, like... I need to know everything there is to know about this guy. I don't really know how that plays into Rebels. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what she could have told him. Maybe Hera, because she would have known about the connection between Kanan and Hera. So maybe, maybe at some point the Grand Inquisitor uses that. I, I wasn't able to pick up on it. If he did, uh, back to the TV show Rebels. There's Ezra investigating an ancient Jedi temple. Uh, then when he's in there, he has a vision of the Grand Inquisitor killing Kanan. And he's not clear if, like, that was a vision or if that was real. It's not even clear to the audience if it was real or not. Um, then he had to watch his whole, all of his friends, the whole crew of the Ghost, his whole rebel Phoenix Squadron family slaughtered, which should have been very traumatic for kids. Um, but, yeah, at that point, it's obvious that it's a vision because, like, they wouldn't kill off their whole cast um, halfway through a season. But... I mean, you never know, it's Star Wars, but no. Um, this was just a vision. The Grand Inquisitor technically wasn't in it, but like it really personifies, he really personifies fear. Um, that's why like when Ezra's having a vision about fear, it's in the form of the Grand Inquisitor. Anything, whenever he's talking to Ezra, it's always like, oh, you fear me, you fear this, you fear that. Like, if, if there's one word to like describe the Grand Inquisitor, I think it's fear. This episode might be one of my favorites of Rebels, I think. The only episode that maybe tops it is its kind of sequel that happens, I think, in season two of the series. Uh, but this is, yeah, it's Ezra fighting against just fear itself. Um, the vision quizzes, like, are you afraid to face your demise? And Ezra says, no. Afraid of being alone again? Sure. Afraid of letting down my master? Absolutely. I'm not afraid. And he lets Quizzy, like, strike him down, like, full Obi-Wan style. He's like, yeah, I, I will let you attack me because he knows at that point that it's a vision or or he trusts in the force that like maybe he feels that it's a vision but doesn't know for sure he he's conquering his fear um, and then yoda speaks to him through the force um and again this this the rest of the story isn't really grand inquisitor but like i would like to to talk about it just because i love this episode so much like yoda says hmm, big fears have you faced young one what for what lies ahead ready are you and and ezra says i am um, but this whole, like, how is he even talking to Yoda? Yoda's still alive at this point. He's just on Dagobah. So, like, Yoda's projecting himself across the galaxy, kind of like Luke Skywalker did in the sequels, which killed Luke Skywalker. I think the difference is here is that Yoda is doing it into, a like, a Force temple, and Yoda's on, like, a Force planet. I guess so is Luke. He's on Octo, and uh, Yoda's on Dagobah. But, like, I think there's, like, a Force connection or just something that Luke doesn't understand. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's like a plot hole or anything, but yeah, Yoda's talking to Ezra. This is actually Yoda, from what I can tell. Unless it's the Force speaking through what looks like Yoda, but why would it choose to do that for Ezra? Like, Yoda isn't someone he knows. But in this episode, it's mostly just the voice of Yoda. It's not even like the actual form of Yoda at this point. It's like fireflies, like we, like how we see Qui-Gon Jinn in the Clone Wars. So I wonder if, like, could we see this in Kenobi? Could we see firefly versions of... Qui-Gon and Yoda. Yoda's alive, Qui-Gon's dead, but like, could we see this? That'd be cool. Uh, Yoda also speaks to Kanan at this time, like, see you, I can. Before, I could not. 
something changed? Something has? Yoda can see a lot from Dagobah. Like he talks about watching Luke all of his life, too. Like, in The Empire Strikes Back, he's like, long as I watch this one, always on the horizon. Like, Yoda, Yoda's watching. Um, I need a, a Disney Plus TV show, like the MCU's uh, The Watcher, or um, what's the TV show called? What If? And it's just The Watcher watching all of these realities. I need Yoda just sitting on Dagobah, watching all the Force users of the galaxy. He's watching the Jedi. Maybe he's watching an Inquisitor. Like, you could have just, like, an anthology series of who's Yoda, who's, who's Yoda watching today. And if there's one that, like, people are really excited about, like, a new Jedi or a new Sith or a new Inquisitor, like, spin them off or give them, like, more episodes in the next season of the show. Um, yep. I'll, don't even need to credit me, Disney. Just pretend like you didn't hear it. I would like to see it regardless. But back to uh, the Grand Inquisitor story. Uh, and this is book four of that Servants of the Empire book series uh, with Zare Leonis. Zer is transferred to that Force Academy where he reports to command, uh, where he reports to Commandant Brendel Hux. This is General Hux from, like the sequel trilogy. That's his father, and he is a bad, bad man. Um, Zer gets in trouble for trying to enter like a forbidden area of the academy. Again, very Hogwarts, very Harry Potter. Uh, Quizzy then asks Zer if Ezra ever like told him about this area, or like why are we trying to break in here? Like, has he ever told you anything called Project Harvester? what project harvester like that that's the big thing that like why he's snatching kids from orphanages and it's why palpatine was uh like talking to the little kids and saying i'm gonna turn you into spies for the sith like that's that's the big scheme this is actually the last that zare hears from the inquisitor uh, a short while later like from zare's perspective he's replaced by another guy another commandant from his old academy and there's more to that book series i don't know if he gets reunited with his sister or not Again, I just read the, just read the quizzy bits, um, but it did seem like it was a decent book. I mean, it was aimed for kids, but like I could see myself reading that one day. Um, I don't know what's gonna drive me to read that if not the Grand Inquisitor. So that was probably probably my one opportunity to read it, and I didn't. So we'll see if I ever get around to it. Maybe Zara Leonis will come into live action, and I'll then I'll give you the full skinny. What if? Ooh. What if the third sister, Reva, is his sister? Ah, we don't need to get into the whole who's Ray's mother of it all, but, like, yeah, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if she gets found or not, but I know she was an older sister. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, whatever. Uh, back to the show Rebels. I think that's how we'll finish out. Here we have the Call to Action episode, uh, number 13. Uh, Tarkin, he comes to Lothal. I think at this point he is Governor Tarkin. I don't know if he's... Grand Moff Tarkin at this point. Um, oh no, he would be because this is after the Bad Batch. I think in Bad Batch he is Admiral Tarkin. No, he's Admiral Tarkin in the Clone. I don't know. Let's just call him Tarkin. Well, good old Wilhuff Tarkin. Uh, he comes to Lothal. That's like the planet that we spend a lot of time on in Rebels. It's plagued by Rebels every day, um, and he's there to light a fire under Quizzy. He says, "Oh, shame we." Oh, it's, can I do a can I do a Tarkin? It's a shame. Oh, that's just you, Aaron. I don't think I can, unfortunately. Oh, you may fire when ready. You, you may fire when re You may fire when ready. I can't do it, y'all. Um, it's a shame we don't have someone who specializes in dealing with Jedi. Otherwise, our problem might be solved. Tarkin's not pissed that a Jedi is fighting. He's 
angry because the Jedi represent hope. And he's like, I don't even care if it is a real Jedi or not. I don't think it is, actually, because I think they were all wiped out. Like, I think he does not want the galaxy to know that there are still Jedi out there. And he's like, Grand Inquisitor, you need to handle this. Tarkin then orders him to assassinate the military leaders on Lothal. Failure will have consequences. So, like, our street-level villains of the Rebels show are now dead. The Inquisitor is the main villain on Lothal. We're going to have to... We're going to have to face off with him in this season. The Rebels then take over this comm tower on Lothal to inspire uh, to inspire fear, to inspire hope in the galaxy again, or at least on that planet. Uh, Quizzy's dispatched by Tarkin to stop them. Uh, Kanan actually gets captured by Quizzy, uh, and he's held against a wall with the Force until the others escape. Uh, and then Kanan is then brought to Tarkin. Um, they still get their message out. The Rebels get their message of hope out. Um, but... Yeah, the, for, for the last couple episodes of this season, it is not a very hopeful uh, time because Kanan is getting interrogated on Tarkin's Star Destroyer. Tarkin wants rebel locations. Rebel lo oh, I should stop trying. Rebel locations, so he asks Quizzy to try a mind probe. Uh, and then Quizzy says, well, the Jedi are trained to resist mind probes. Pain, like a Jedi still feels pain, and pain can break anyone. So he's like, let's, let's go with that. Mind probes don't work. And then he electrocutes him. Uh, Tarkin says, he's no good to me dead. Uh, so that's a, a Boba Fett line. Uh, Quizzy realizes that Kanan might not know of any other rebels. Hera probably kept a lot from the others. Uh, and then Tarkin suggests that they move him to another location, Mustafar. He says, Mustafar never fails to extract a confession. And then Darth Vader's theme plays. And then we flash to Hera, and the Hera's the, the Twi'lek pilot. And she says, Mustafar is where Jedi go to die. Then in episode 15 of season 1, the last episode of season 1, uh, Quizzy, he stops asking about Kanan's friends, and he says, okay, who's codenamed Fulcrum? Um, Quizzy, man, so heroic, just like your master. How did you survive Order 66? Tell me the last word that your master said. Kanan says, he's getting tortured, and he's like, run. And Quizzy's like, oh, do your friends know that you abandoned your master when she needed you most? What would they do if they knew you were a coward? So he's, he's trying to get in his head. He's like, oh, you're right to be afraid. You couldn't save your master. And you can't save your followers now. But uh, he's in no position to save anybody. The rebels are trying to save him. They're breaking on to Tarkin's Star Destroyer to try to free him. Uh, Kanan and Quizzy, like, they, Kanan gets out. They, Ezra frees him or something. And they have a duel on a bridge, like, over the hyperspace uh, engines, the, the hyperdrive in the Star Destroyer. Ezra joins in. He's finally strong enough to kind of help, uh, but then Ezra falls off the bridge. Uh, Kanan thinks he's dead, so Kanan's kind of going a little bit dark side here and is, like, dual-wielding his and Ezra's lightsabers, and he's like, that was a mistake. I have nothing left to fear. Again, fear. I love fear. Um, you were right. I was a coward, but now I know there's something stronger than fear. The Force. Uh, which, that's a cheesy line, and I hate it, but uh, whatever. Uh, and he says, let me show you how strong it is. And then he charges Quizzy. He kind of sends him falling. Uh, Quizzy, his saber, his spinning saber, it falls into the Star Destroyer engine. And it like, kind of lights a fire and the ship starts crashing towards Mustafar. And speaking of Mustafar, Quizzy's now hanging on the ledge like Mus Mufasa. I thought that would rhyme. I thought Mustafar would rhyme with Mufasa. That's why I said it like that. It does not. Uh, so he's hanging on, a, on the ledge, like dangling over this fire. Um, 
He says, you have no idea what you've unleashed here today. Kanan, like a true Jedi, he did kind of give into the dark side a little bit, but he like reaches down and like offers the Grand Inquisitor a hand. He's like, I'll spare you. You're unarmed. I'll, I'll spare you. And Quizzy says, there are some things far more frightening than death. And then he just lets go and falls into the fire. Like he's like, no, I'm done. Um, I think the thing that's far more frightening than, than death, I think it's meant to be Vader. Um, he doesn't want to face Vader's wrath if he survives. So he's like, I'll go out on my own terms. I'll fall into this fire and I'll die. And then our, our heroes escape. They steal Quizzy's TIE fighter. And then the Star Destroyer appears to crash into Mustafar. Quizzy is dead, but I still have more stories to tell because no one's ever really gone. Um, in season two of Rebels, we get new Inquisitors after our heroes, but there is an episode. This is kind of the spiritual successor to the one that I said was my favorite episode. Um, this this one's my favorite episode, I think. Uh, they go to Lothal Temple in season two, episode 18. Uh, Kanan enters to try to talk with Yoda again, but instead he finds a temple guard. And this temple guard says, if you fight, you will die, and your apprentice will become a servant of evil. The dark side pulls at Ezra. It calls to him. The boy must be eliminated before he embraces the darkness. And then Kanan has to duel this Jedi temple guard, um, who I guess we know because I said at the beginning of uh, the Grand Inquisitor was a Jedi temple guard. Um, they duel in this vision. Uh, in real life, Inquisitors show up at this temple on Lothal. Uh, we get more Yoda and Ezra content, and Yoda admits that he was once consumed by fear. Surprised, are you? A challenge? Lifelong it is. Do not bend fear into anger. Which again, love fear, and I love the way that Yoda talks about it. As Yoda, I'll be honest, has not always been one of my favorite characters. I think the animation, Clone Wars, Rebels, that's really what made Yoda, you know, rise in the ranks for me, you know? Uh, back to Kanan and uh, this Jedi Temple Guard, this mysterious Jedi Temple Guard. Uh, he admits that he can't protect Ezra forever. He can only train him to be the best that he can. And then the Jedi Temple Guard stops fighting. He ignites his lightsaber and knights Kanan on the spot. Like he does uh, by the council, by the force, like touching his shoulders and then once on the head. Uh, like maybe the, the queen would knight somebody in uh, England over there. But... Um, I wouldn't know anything about that. Moisture Farm Report, let me know if that still happens, if that's still a thing. Uh, the So he knights him, and then he says, you are what I once was, and then he pulls off his mask. <gasps> it's the Grand Inquisitor, uh, a knight of the Jedi Order. So that's our big reveal. That's how the world learned that uh, the Grand Inquisitor was once a Jedi, which I guess at this point, the comics weren't out yet, so we didn't know that all Inquisitors were Jedi. So I guess it feels a little bit less special now. That's kind of why I didn't really let the moment be the moment. But like, this was a big deal, I think, when uh, this first came out. So his story continues in comics, actually. So this is also written by Charles Sewell. I feel like Charles really loves writing The, the Inquisitor. Uh, in 2020, the mainline Star Wars run. So this takes place like in between episodes 5 and 6. Like, Star Wars episode 5 and 6, Empire and Return of the Jedi. So it's Luke Skywalker. He has a vision um, of where he can find his lightsaber, the one that he lost on uh, the Cloud City in, on Bespin when he lost it in the duel with Vader. And he's led by the Force to the planet Cerelia. Cerelia? Um, and he goes there asking about Jedi, and then this woman is, like, freaked out, and her name is Verla. Um, 
if you listen to my Sisters of the Inquisitorious episode, that you, if you're listening right away, you probably haven't because that's coming out soon. Uh, but that's a character that was a Padawan of someone who survived the Purge and uh, knows a lot about Order 66 and all that. Like, she she's one of the few people who knows like the full story of you know how the whole Jedi Purge happened, how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. Um, so she tells Luke about the Jedi Purge, all that uh, the Empire sent out powerful Force users, dark side adepts, to hunt down any Jedi. Their boss, he was worse. Worse than any of them, and he's still out there. The monster of monsters, pure, true evil, Darth Vader. Then Luke says, <laughs> I'm his son, and then she tries to drown him. But like, <laughs> so like this is how Luke kind of validates, like I think he asks Yoda, like, is it true Yoda? Is he my father? Is Darth Vader my father? But like, Luke, you can tell in R- Return of the Jedi that he already knows it to be true. Like, like Vader told him this, and he probably asked Obi-Wan a couple times, and then he's gone on this adventure post-Episode 5 and kind of validated it from other sources that, like, yeah, Darth Vader was Anakin. This is also interesting because this character is afraid of Inquisitors. Like, when somebody comes asking about Jedi, she runs. I would have thought all the Inquisitors would have been dead by now into, like, after the Empire timeline, so maybe they're still out there. Um, and Luke clearly wasn't Darth Vader, so I don't know what she was scared about, but yeah, so she was Farron Barr's Padawan who uh, escaped Vader, the Ninth Sister, Tenth Brother, Sixth Brother, uh, on Moncala in the comics, in Charles Sewell's comics. So he's calling back to one of his old characters. Uh, if you're more interested in how that story went, uh, I talk a little bit about it on my next episode. Stay tuned. So Verla, she says, Vader and his blasted Inquisitors chased me across the galaxy just because I had a touch of the Force, because I might have become a Jedi. One day, my life was hell. R2 electrocutes Verla and saves Luke, so he's no longer drowning. Uh, and then she tells him everything, confirms everything that he wanted to hear about his father. Um, she says that her master wanted her to become a Jedi. Um... She tried, but all that she ever found was fear and pain and death. The Inquisitors were always there, right behind her. Invader too. Everyone that she ever got close to killed or left behind when she had to run. So Verla, she just gave up. Just stopped trying to be a Jedi, just hid out and booby-trapped this island. And she pleads to Luke, like, the Force is a trap. It calls us with dreams of power or skill that just being able to change things. It, it chooses us up, uses us for its purposes, whatever bizarre cosmic goals it's trying to achieve, and tells us it's destiny. We aren't people to the Force, just tools. Tools named Jedi and Sith. Do you understand? Like, when the Force calls you, you can say no, is, is what she's telling Luke. I think, like, you tell that to anyone, like, you tell that to any other Jedi character, they might, they might believe you. Like, but Luke, like, no, he, he's always going to fight for what's right. He's not going to just stand idly by. We all love Luke Skywalker. Um, so he's like, no, I'm, I will be a Jedi, like my father before me. Um, so then Verla, she sends Luke to a nearby uh, Jedi outpost. It seems to be a High Republic outpost, because, again, this is Charles Sewell, um, one of the designers of the High Republic, uh, and it's on a planet called Tempe's. It had everything that Luke, that uh, Verla needed. Holocrons, lightsabers. But she didn't go in. It was guarded. I, I just sensed this cold darkness. I didn't stick around to find out what it was. I ran. So Luke, he's like, yeah, I, I ain't scared of no ghost. And he, he goes to Tempe's with him and R2. 
just this raining lightning planet. It kind of looks like uh, Exegol a little bit. Just, I don't know. Whenever I see lightning, I think of Exegol now. Um, he walks in there. He finds a yellow lightsaber, a temple guard lightsaber. And he grabs it. Like, oh, I, I guess this is what the Force was bringing me to. Like, he never finds that blue lightsaber. That's uh, the, like, Anakin, the, the Skywalker legacy saber, the one that Rey hands him in The Last Jedi, and he throws it over his shoulder. Like, he never finds that. He eventually gets a green one some point before episode six, but, like, this is what he's using in the comics now. He picks up this yellow lightsaber. He says, I will be a Jedi. And then out of the shadows, as he picks this up, like, maybe that activated some weird force trap. The Grand Inquisitor, with, like, a flaming ghost rider head, pops out and says, Careful what you wish for, boy. Once I served the Jedi, I wielded a saber just like the one you hold. Then I hunted Jedi in service to Vader and the Empire. Now I serve them still, and kill every seeker who follows the path that Vader created to this place. I presume I always will. And Luke says, you will never kill a Jedi again. They duel. Who trained you, boy? A wise Jedi master. And then Quizzy says, well, did they get bored with you and stop halfway through? You handle that saber like a child. Um, it's, a, it's a good fight between, you know, at this point, two beloved characters, like, grown to love the grand inquisitor i mean obviously he's he's easy to hate and I, I do hate him he's a he's a like pure evil character but just seeing like luke skywalker versus the grand inquisitor two characters that you would never see i never thought i would see them fight they're from two completely different eras it feels like but uh, it was a really fun fight um luke keeps saying throughout it all like i will be a jedi i will be a jedi and then quizzy says the jedi and their lives are gone then Luke looks around and he says, Well, this place doesn't feel like a lie. It feels like it was part of something noble. Quizzy, believe what you like. It didn't save the Jedi and it won't save you. And then Luke, this is kind of Luke's mission statement for this whole arc, like from when he was talking with Verla to now as he's being faced with this, this demon in this Jedi temple. He says, There are things worth fighting for, even things worth dying for. The Jedi knew that. They understood loss and the service of a greater good. And then Luke Strikes him down. He strikes Quizzy down and leaves. Takes whatever he wants. Takes the holocrons, takes the lightsabers, gets out of there. Then we flash to Darth Vader. Darth Vader returns to the temple. He must have known that it was triggered, or maybe Quizzy contacted him. And he speaks to Quizzy and he says, hey, you failed. Quizzy says, I have served for so long. Will there never be a chance of release? And then Vader says, you are but a tool shaped to serve my purposes. You will continue and Vader leaves and Quizzy's just we kind of get a moment to just see him just standing in this empty room he starts to burn away there are worse things than death is what he says so uh so Quizzy he didn't really die when he fell into that fire like his body died but somehow Vader was able to like capture his essence and just keep him around to just haunt this one Jedi temple it's such a sad sad existence for such a once powerful character like the Grand Inquisitor. Um, so yeah, don't fall to the dark side, kids, or else you'll just be um, left in pain, in eternal pain. But do you think that's his last appearance in the chronology? It might be. Uh, there's still one more, closer to like the Rise of Skywalker time frame, which is insane. Uh, this one's more like a vision, not not a real, not a real uh, appearance, but. One that's worth calling out. There's this Force-sensitive kid. This is in the book Force Collector. Uh, his name is Carr, 
He's traveling the galaxy. He's looking for Jedi, looking for Sith, like artifacts, because he has the power to see the history of objects when he touches them. So this is a power that we've seen uh, with Quinlan Voss in the Clone Wars, in the book Dark Disciple, uh, and it's the power that the main character in the Jedi Fallen Order video game has as well. Like when you find something, you can touch it and you get a little history about it. It's a good video game tactic, but it's in this book as well. Uh, along his journey, when he's looking for these artifacts, uh, our, our character Carr he visits Doc Ondar, the Ithorian antique shop owner that you can visit at Galaxy's Edge at Disney World or Disneyland. When he's in there, he eyes a broken lightsaber, and he has to haggle with Doc Ondar to even touch it. A cold and dead, the lightsaber was in two pieces. And then Doc Ondar's translator says, This lightsaber belonged to an Inquisitor. Not a Jedi? What's an Inquisitor? The kid says, um, The Inquisitors were weapons of the Emperor, sent out into the galaxy after Order 66 to track down and kill any Jedi who remained. Our main character didn't even know that Jedi were hunted. Like, he's learning everything just from artifacts that he finds. Like, in The Rise of Skywalker, like, what Jedi are still around? It's Luke Skywalker on an island. Rey is out there learning the ways of the Jedi, but, like, she's not communicating this with the rest of the galaxy at this point. Like, yeah, he's he's alone. Like, he, he's just looking for any trace of his lineage. He, he thinks that he's, like, a descendant of a, a Jedi. Uh, he asks more about the lightsaber. Uh... The translator says, When assembled, this particular lightsaber could be used in one of two modes, crescent or disc. Which is actually kind of helpful for how the Inquisitor lightsabers work, so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. In crescent setting, it would produce a single blade. In disc setting, a second blade would appear and do tremendous damage if spun around at any speed. It was a terrifying weapon when it was intact. Crescent, meaning you could hold the lightsaber and like flip the two sides of the disc in, and then it just protects like your knuckles. From blows and then you just have one blade I don't know why you couldn't also use the other blade in that mode but I think maybe you could but when it flips into uh, disc mode you would just hold it flat out and like in front of you and it would spin um, oh interesting that like it had two modes and it wasn't just always a, a disc that's what, how I thought it worked but I guess maybe I never paid attention when the Grand Inquisitor had one blade out Carr finally gets to touch the lightsaber, and he has a vision. He's like, oh, is it a Jedi? Perhaps, but it's different. And then there's another person in the vision. He's like, oh, this one's definitely a Jedi. Then the two face off in battle. Carr could feel the tension and the fear in the air. Fires burned, men shouted, and then he saw a figure cut the Jedi down. The light of this, his saber and the light of his soul both snuffed out in one blow. Carr's vision darkened. All that remained was the glow of the survivor's weapon. Carr focused on the figure, and he saw his own face. So this is really freaking him out. I don't know why. Like, I mean, it, it may be freaky. Like, Luke sees his own face in the cave on Dagobah, and he's freaked out. But, like, why? Why this kid thinks that he's the Jedi killer in the vision. Like, this happened a long time ago. What do you, like, do you think this is a vision of the future? Maybe he has those sometimes, and he thinks he's going to kill a Jedi one day. I don't know. This was a YA book. Um, YA books can skew kind of older or younger. I think this one skews a lot younger than something like Master and Apprentice. Uh, but I, I enjoyed the book for what it was. Um, so in, in the end, he tracks down his great-grandfather, and he learns that the vision was his grandfather's. Uh, Paul Paul was a Jedi that escaped Quizzy after breaking his saber, so I guess the guy that won that duel 
was his grandfather and he didn't kill the Grand Inquisitor. He only like broke his saber and that's why the fire went out. I'm a little confused by everything, but by the end, Carr was able to give his grandpa uh, some closure and the Jedi, he's like, oh, the Jedi didn't betray the Republic, the Sith did. Because this whole time his grandfather had gone into exile, like the Jedi did something and I need to pay for this because I was a Jedi and the Jedi must have done something terrible. So I'm going to go live in this hut by myself for the rest of my life. And if he's there, like around the time of the Rise of Skywalker, like, what is that, 30, 35 something like that years like he was living in exile way longer than yoda like sad anyway that's where we end with the grand inquisitor story uh that was a lot and some of that wasn't directly him so so those are all the stories that he appears in uh just scrolling through his wikipedia entry to make sure i didn't miss anything didn't really talk about this but he is a powan so he hails from the planet Utapal, which we see in Revenge of the Sith. We see a live-action Powin in that movie. Also has a very skinny head. I'm sure you've heard that if you listen to any other podcasts, so I won't talk about it anymore. Looks like he was disaffected by that trial that happened during the Clone Wars in Season 5, and that's kind of what made him lose faith in the Jedi Order. Uh, there was that character in the Clone Wars that gave a big speech and kind of shunned the Jedi for how they've turned from the force and it sounds like one of the jedi temple guards that was at that speech heard that and maybe that's the only follow-up we need from from that story i would love to see more of that character perhaps in uh the ahsoka show but um sorry if i'm being a little vague i know that not everyone's seen all the clone wars and i don't want to spoil that big moment but uh yeah it seems like that was the event that kind of set the grand inquisitor uh whatever his name was when he was a jedi uh, along this path looks like there was also another event just during the time of the purge uh in a looks like a comic uh the skirmish on vindal uh, the inquisitor and his forces arrived in a village in search of kanan who had been seen close by the inquisitor was greeted by the protector of the village yellub who lied to the Inquisitor that he hadn't seen Kanan in the village. However, um, the Inquisitor could see through the Protector's lies, and when Yellub ordered the Imperials to leave, the Powan ordered his stormtroopers to destroy the village. Then Kanan reveals himself, and uh, they have a little duel. Yellub would soon join the combat as well, wielding his own lightsaber, a green lightsaber. Um, so then the Inquisitor's like, is this a Jedi too? Um... So he was getting a little confused, but yeah, this guy wasn't a Jedi. He had just like scavenged a lightsaber from somewhere. Um, using the force, the Inquisitor pushed Kanan out of combat so he could focus on the other guy, and he slashed this protector across the chest with his blade. Um, the Inquisitor took his lightsaber, and then Kanan fled. Um, the Powan, along with his stormtroopers, gave chase, and Kanan was able to trick the Imperials into thinking that he had fled on one of their cruisers, causing them to chase after it and leave the planet. Um, after the Imperials left the planet, Yellow died, and Kanan ended up leaving and returning to the Rebels, leaving the people of Vindal with hope that even without him and without the lightsaber on the planet, the Empire still wouldn't return, and even if they did, that the people were able to protect themselves. So it sounds like this is another, like, kind of training up the, the town to fight, which we've seen a lot through all media, but 
in Star Wars, uh, probably the Clone Wars, uh, with that Bounty Hunter episode, and then in The Mandalorian, when it's uh, Mando and Cara Dune uh, fighting the the pirates that are coming to take the, the Krill, the Krill Farmer village, like taking all the the little shrimp. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some personality traits. Uh, he did not appear overly emotional. He was cold and analytical. Uh, whatever intensity he showed was a result of his purpose in completing his mission. He also resented the Jedi for taking him from his home before he was old enough to resist. Uh, and then he had that whole beef with Jocasta New and the knowledge of the Jedi. Um, so he was excited about the dark side because he was able to learn about individual Jedi and use their secrets against them. He utilized this knowledge, like his lightsaber, to inflict an opponent with fear, which we saw when he identified Depo Balaba as Kanan's master. Um, and he did that in only 10.6 seconds, according to Wikipedia. Um, apparently someone had a stopwatch and said, Wow, the Grand Inquisitor is so good, he identified Kanan's master in only 11 seconds. Um, wow. Uh, once in combat, he did not show mercy, having been tasked, tasked with judging and eliminating Jedi survivors. Um, he also supported the view that the Empire needed to purge itself of all weakness and regarded compassion as the most insidious weakness. I want to pause there. Uh, it does have a citation, so I guess I'll believe that. I think that's from the Servants of the Empire, Zara Leonis books. Um, yeah, the Empire needed to purge itself of all weakness. That reminds me of Grand Admiral Thrawn a little bit. Um, knowing, I don't know everything about Thrawn, but I do know that he's in the Star Wars galaxy because he he fears a threat to his own galaxy. Um, the Chiss Ascendancy, and he thinks that there's this alien threat coming for them, and he wants the Empire to be like a unified, strong front, like not like a rebel alliance that's scattered across the galaxy. No, he wants like a strong dictatorship empire, no weaknesses that he can use to help fight this threat. So I don't think the Grand Inquisitor has that kind of foresight, but um, it is kind of another thing that he and Thrawn share in common other than like the cold and calculating um, nature and kind of their voice. Their voice uh, seems similar to me too. In the equipment section of Wikipedia, we see that he wore those like black rings on the side of his head to protect his hypersensitive ears. That's actually really cool because I remember in like Revenge of the Sith, the character that's in there has a Tion Midon is his name. Uh, he has like this red cloak that he's wearing and it also like covers the sides of his head. So I guess Palins must just have really sensitive ears, so they kind of drown out noise by putting those things on. That's that's cool. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, he was created as one of the primary antagonists of the series Star Wars Rebels. Um, the, the character was voiced by Jason Isaacs, who you might know as Lucius Malfoy from Star Wars, or from Harry Potter. Um, I really liked the Jason Isaacs show, what was it called, Awake? I'll look it up. It was like one of the first like TV shows that I watched live, like and not like binging on Netflix back in the day. Like back when you had to back in my day when you had to like order order Netflix DVDs in the mail. Um, I forget what it was called. Weird. I'm not even gonna look it up. It's not important. Um, the the look and the species went through several iterations. It was a topic of much discussion at Lucasfilm. 
Uh, they wanted to make sure that he didn't look too much like Darth Maul or Darth Vader. At one point, he was going to be a Chagrian. Uh, so think Masameda, the big blue guy that follows Palpatine around in the prequels. Um, eventually, they decided to make the character a Palin. And then that was... that was. Ugh. Eventually, they decided to make the character a Palin, which, according to Dave Filoni, uh, was really when the character fell into place. Uh, Simon Kinberg, another executive producer... Felt like it gave the character a real and human quality while at the same time evoking a creaturely terrifying and nightmarish look. If that's why they created the Grand Inquisitor this way, like I feel like we still have that in the live action version. You can tell that it's a human in makeup. Like he, he is very humanly, if that's the word we're looking for. Uh, but yeah, he still looks terrifying and nightmarish. Like just because his head isn't the exact same shape doesn't mean like. He's not scary, so I think it's it's gonna work. Uh, furthermore, they did not want him to be similar to the villains of like the cartoons of the 1980s, where like they lose in every episode and they still have to be presented as a credible threat. That's kind of a quote from Lucasfilm's Pablo Hidalgo. He's like, yeah, we need to make sure that he's someone whose arrival is significant and still a challenge to the rebels. And I think they accomplished that. Like there was like two or three duels with Kanan and Ezra and. They, he didn't get his butt handed to him like every time. Like, um, it's, it's kind of the fear of having Darth Vader in something is you can't have him lose too much or else he's not scary anymore. But like, even after the Grand Inquisitor's lost a couple times, I I still think he he evokes fear. So that's exactly what they're going for. The character was revealed at New York Comic Con in 2013 during a panel about Star Wars Rebels, and he was shown as. Uh, the Inquisitor, the Jedi Hunter, who would be recurring uh, as an antagonist for the heroes of the show. Ooh, this one's really interesting. At DragonCon 2018, Henry Gilroy, so one of the Lucasfilm guys, uh, revealed an idea that the Inquisitor murdered the other Jedi Temple guards when Order 66 happened to allow Anakin and the 501st to access the Jedi Temple. I guess Vader, not Anakin. Uh, I should go and edit Wikipedia to confirm that that was Vader. But like, okay, so the storming of the Jedi Temple that we see in Revenge of the Sith is in part due to the Grand Inquisitor. I'll take that. That That's really cool. It says it was revealed as an idea, so I don't know if that's canon or anything. I didn't see it in his Wikipedia, like, in the chronology. This is only in the behind the scenes, but I'm willing to believe that. That's cool. But yeah, that is the Grand Inquisitor. Um, I think it already kind of talked about how he was almost a, a Chagrian... Looking at the art of Star Wars Rebels book, uh, it doesn't it doesn't really give a whole lot of variation in like the early concepts for the Grand Inquisitor. Um, I, I guess in this article or in Wikipedia, they they say that he was going to be other other races. They toyed with a lot of things, but I guess they didn't include all that in the Rebels art book, which is disappointing. But um, yeah, I think they settled on the right thing. I think Powan is an interesting species that we haven't seen too much of. Uh, we've seen, obviously, the, the character in Revenge of the Sith. We've seen uh, the Grand Inquisitor. And then one of my favorite characters uh, from publishing in the Last Shot book by Daniel Jose Older, uh, there is the character Fizen Gore. He's like another mod doctor, like, I think, in the Book of Boba Fett. But he, like, oh, it's creepy. Like, he mixes droids with... Uh, sentience like there's one scene where he like took a Wookiee's arm and put it on a droid like 
he was disgusting and uh, beautifully disgusting. Uh, it was a really fun character to read about. But yeah, that is the Grand Inquisitor, and that is the latest edition of my um, lead-up to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, um, focusing on Inquisitors. You can find me on Twitter, at Star Wars Skinny, on TikTok, at DroopyMcCool35, and Oculus, at DroopyMcCool35, if you want to post some Beat Saber scores for me to beat. Um, yeah, this is in the lead-up to the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and I have not done it yet, as far as we've gotten into this episode. If you're still here, um, stay skinny, and here's your reward for waiting. Oh, who lives in a hut in the Dunsi? Obi-Wan Kenobi! Sarcastic and civilized and wise is he, Obi-Wan Kenobi! If stories and adventure is something you missed, Obi-Wan Kenobi! Then battle your brother and burn to a crisp, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi! Hello there.